This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Do all you can to listen and give people the opportunity to share. Welcome to Improv is No Joke podcast, where it's all about becoming a more effective communicator by embracing the principles of improvisation. I'm your host, Peter Margaritas, the self-proclaimed chief edutainment officer of my business, The Accidental Accountant. My goal is to provide you with thought-provoking interviews with business leaders so you can become an effective improviser, which will lead to building stronger relationships with clients, customers, colleagues, and even your family. So let's start the show. Welcome to episode 41 of Improv is No Joke podcast. Thank you very much for downloading this episode. Today's guest is John Kelly, who is the Chief People Officer at White Castle Systems, Inc. John was also one of the first to get an early read on my book, and he gave me a wonderful testimonial. Thanks, John. John and I have a conversation around the topic of change management. But first, we discuss the strong culture of the organization as demonstrated by the low turnover in the restaurants and extremely low turnover in their home office. I witnessed this firsthand at the General Manager's Leadership Conference in February. I was the closing keynote speaker, but I intended the entire conference. They kicked off the conference by asking for everyone to stand if they've been with the organization for five years or more. All 700 plus stood. Then they said, for 10 years or more, a few sat down. 15 years or more, a few more sat down. 20 years or more, more than half the room was still standing, which is incredible for any restaurant chain. On the topic of change management, we discussed the issues involved in building a new corporate office that will last for about 60 plus years. The current headquarters have served them well, but they are outgrowing it and actually have been outgrowing it, as John describes. He says that you can walk the halls of White Castle Systems and see the different errors in the building as they've expanded it over the years. But now they need a new building. He describes the process of taking the history and culture of White Castle and transforming it into something that's modern and sustainable. It's an interesting conversation from blending the generations to security issues to consider. I'm sure you'll enjoy our conversation. In the interview, you will hear the implied principles of improvisation, respect, trust, support, listen, and focus, which are necessary along with the glue of yes and so that you can adapt to a changing landscape and be successful. I'm sure you'll enjoy our conversation. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know that one of my goals with this podcast is to help you begin to make changes in your work and personal lives so you can better connect with others and create meaningful relationships. Many people have said that it takes 21 days to start a habit, which I recently learned from Dr. John B. Molitor, PhD, which is incorrect. John is the Dean of Psychiatry and Community at Michigan State University. He said that research shows that it takes 66 days to create a habit. So now we've got to put in the extra work to create that muscle memory. 
That's why I created the Yes And Challenge to help keep these principles in front of you so you can build up your improvisational muscle. To sign up, please go to my website, petermargaritas.com, and scroll down to the Yes And Challenge call to action and click to register to begin building the productive habit of Yes And and the principles of improvisation. And remember to share your experiences on Twitter using the hashtag YesAndChallenge. If you're unaware of what the Yes And Challenge is all about, I discuss this in detail in Episode 0, so go back and take a listen. Remember, you can subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you'd like to purchase a personalized signed copy of my book, Improv is No Joke, using improvisation to create positive results in leadership and life, for $14.99 and the shipping's free, please go to my website and you'll see the graphic on my homepage. Now, please allow 14 days for shipping. With that said, let's get to the interview with John Kelly. Hey, everybody. I'm with John Kelly today, who is the chief people officer for one of my favorite companies in the whole U.S. of A, White Castle Systems Incorporated. John, thank you for taking time to spend with me as a guest on my podcast today. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Uh, thanks for the invitation. Uh, I've been so looking forward to this. I, I always enjoy our conversations. And just so the audience knows that prior to starting this, we've already had a 35, 36-minute conversation even before we started recording. So I'm, I'm, and what we're going to talk about today, the conversation we're going to have today is going to be somewhere around the lines of change management and, and, and different aspects of that. But before we get into the conversation, John, who is – oh. As a side note, most of my audience, if they know me, they know that I'm a connoisseur of the Kentucky brown water, a.k.a. bourbon. And I pride myself on my, my Maker's Mark bottle collection and using my bourbon collection. Well, I've, I've, I've met the person who has blown my doors off as it relates to the collection of bourbon. This man has more unique bottles of bourbon in his cabinet and his house than, it, it's, than I could ever imagine. If, if I brought a few of my friends up here from Kentucky, they would be in oh over that. So, John, give us a little bit of tell everybody a little bit about your back background. Okay, uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for that. <laughs> about, thanks for the uh, acknowledgement of the collection too. I've been curating it for a while, so uh, and you were the one that basically turned me on to it. So. Oh, well, a, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, real quick, just to, to kind of go back through, um, uh, I actually went to college. To I was an elementary teacher for about a year and a half before I started working at White Castle. They lured me in um, to uh, a, something we were trying at the time, which was international franchising. Uh, so we did try and we don't franchise in, in the United States, uh, but we have tried internationally. And when I started, we had stores in uh, Korea during my time in international. We opened up Mexico, which are both uh, those countries are all everything's closed outside of the United States now. But um, we were trying it. Back in the 90s. Mm -hmm. um, at some point then I moved. Um, it gave me an opportunity to learn everything, a lot of different things about the company, especially operations. And then I jumped into HR and uh, training. Um, with my education background, I think several people thought, you know, what better? And we had not had a centralized training function. So we were kind of building everything from scratch, even though we were, you know, into our 75th uh, anniversary. So Slowly over that time, since uh, mid-1990s, 
I'm part of the family. So my great grandfather started the company. Um, I serve at the company uh, reporting to my cousin, who's our CEO and president, brother-in-law who works here, two sisters, some other cousins. Um, all of us um, have a great time working together at our at our family-owned company. So it's been really interesting reporting to my cousin because we we <laughs> see you know sometimes we see eye to eye on things, sometimes we don't. We have good conversations behind closed doors, but we we always uh, present a united front and are really have been working to try and I would say give some new meaning to some of our values. We are we obviously have had a very strong culture. We've got uh, very low turnover in our restaurants. Um, we've got about 10,000 total people in the system. Um, we're, we're right around 100% turnover, which is low for the industry when we look at everything in the restaurants. Um, in the home office, we're, we've got exceptionally low turnover. But just trying to give new meaning to some of, the, uh, some of our values and, and, uh, and guiding principles. They haven't changed a lot, but just give some new meaning to them from, you know, from the 80s to the to 2015, 16, 17. It'll be our 100th anniversary in, 19, in 2021. That's cool. So, uh, just side note, so it, it is a family-owned business. It's been around since, what, what year was this? 1921. 1921. You're going to be 100. Oh, I could have done the math in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm the accidental accountant. Um, but working in a family-owned business just in itself presents a lot of different challenges than it would in a publicly held or a privately held business that's not family owned. Yeah, it does. It's um, on one hand, it's, I, I would say uh, like a lot of things I'll say today, it's maybe kind of a double-edged sword. You know, I know there's people out there who have my back. I know that, you know, I can, I can have a conversation with them, but sometimes you have to have difficult conversations with a family member and then realize you know, we're all going to be at our family meeting in June and everybody's going to be there or we've got a, a cousin's lunch that's coming up. So Lisa and I don't see eye to eye or Jamie and I don't see eye to eye on something, you know, you can't take it personally. And we really spend a lot of time trying to divide and as a family really work to make sure that the family survives um, despite whatever happens at the company. Our Our identity is as a family that owns a that owns a business. So we don't make business decisions based on family, but we we want to make sure that we're a we're a family first. That that's that that's great. And because a lot of family businesses start out with all the great intentions, but stuff gets in the way or they get themselves in the way and feelings can hurt family members and next thing you know somebody's buying out somebody else or or the the, the business is absolutely dissolved because the family can't get along right we're in fourth generation the other three generations transitioned pretty well we just went through a transition from bill ingram my uncle lisa's father to lisa um, and that was about for our generation. We had been working on that for about ten years. Um, where I'm the oldest of my branch, Lisa's the oldest of her branch, and there's another guy named Dave who's the oldest of his branch of the family. And we had all ex at one point expressed interest that yes, we would might like to be considered to be president and or CEO when the time came. And then we worked with a family business advisor to first come up with the process that we would go through. And then, you know, then then present a united front. Okay. 
to the rest of the family, to the board, um, to everybody else to make sure. And it was again around uh, keeping the family together. And which goes to the essence of the brand itself, which goes to the essence of the longevity of the company. I have known, I've always known of White Castle, but I, I it wasn't until we met some years ago that I learned about White Castle Systems, the inside of it, and the family business, and the challenges that you guys run into and stuff. And as you say that you're about to turn a hundred years old, you've been in the same location for. We've been in the building we're in. We moved here in Columbus, 1934. Yeah, so we've been in a building that has been modified. You can you can walk through the building and see which era <laughs> the construction was done on the second floor, whether it's nice mahogany paneling up front or 70s paneling in the middle or or uh, wallpaper in the back. So it's um, we have done a lot. We've got one woman who sits in an, in an old vault that um, has been uh, the door has been disabled, but uh, just trying to squeeze people in about anywhere. And and we're all excited about trying to build a new building, but. With that comes, uh, as you were talking a little bit about change management, you know, we've got people from, we don't have any silent generation, but we've got a significant number of boomers, um, Gen X, some millennials, a couple maybe just starting in as, as some of the, even the younger millennials and the Gen Zs and stuff. You know, we're, we're looking at and building a building that's supposed that's going to last us for another 50 or 60 years, we'd like, and um, really trying to figure out what, what kind of environment that's going to be because everybody kind of has a different version of what would be best for them and how we want our values of, you know, accountability and customer focus and, and responsiveness and healthy and energetic to come alive in that. Lisa and I really feel that our, in our redefining of some of our values moving into this building, we've got a lot of writing on, how much this is going to help us advance our the, the culture that we want to to shift to from a dynamic standpoint. So I, I do want to I do want to touch on that, but I also want to say that when I'm when I'm out and about talking to people, I always talk about this friend of mine who's the chief people officer at White Castle, and the response I get um, a vast majority of the time is I love his title, chief people officer versus. Vice President of Human Resources. And some of us who remember these Saturday Night Live, Gilda Radner, did you say human racehorses? No, that's yes. human resources. That because and as the business that you're in, you're in the people business. Without people, you have White Castle doesn't exist. Customers don't, don't, we don't have them. And I love the fact that you were the chief people officer because you're trying to manage a, a mass amount of people within your organization and, and guide them in a direction that the company's going. And as you're talking about building this new building and you say we're trying to meet it because we've got, you know, maybe three to four generations who will be in this from the boomers to the millennials to some are calling them like Gen Z. Some are calling them Gen Wi-Fi. You're right. Because they've never, they don't know who the Dewey Decimal System is. <laughs> uh, they, they, they may have seen the box if their father has it in his tool uh, uh, in the garage where he keeps his nuts and bolts and screws and stuff, but didn't realize that's how we used to research stuff. But you may say, everybody's trying to figure out how it fits in for them, but should that conversation actually be what's best, not for me, but what's best for the company and the culture as we move forward? Uh, definitely. And that's what um, 
we've been um, studying a lot of other buildings. We just I actually I just got back from a tour of uh, uh, a couple other headquarters in the industry, and there, um, you know, I got learned a lot from them because they did talk about you know what's best for the culture that we want, what's best for the the brand as a whole, and to us that's it's interesting that you bring up because I I specifically chose that title when I was promoted to this level. The idea was, you know, we chief HR, you chief this. We don't have HR per se. We call our HR department team member services. And I, I chose that title as well because collectively as a our vision uh, or our mission, our mission is to create memorable moments for our customers every day. And we talk a lot about that here in our home office as being our customers are the team members. Um, so we're trying to work to create, you know, memorable moments and make sure they're they're happy. They could only give service and, and create great memorable moments to the level that which they've experienced them themselves. So there is a little bit of a, a tension there, but I think it's a good tension of the looking at every team member in our home office as a customer and what do they really want, and then also being able to define here's what may not be exactly what you think you want, but. Mm-hmm this is what we know you will want at some point and, and, you know, figuring out cause it is, it is bigger because, you know, I'd, you know, somebody who's only got 10 more years out of that 50 um, or less, um, you know, there's going to be other people here ideally who are here for another 30 or 40 out of that time frame. So, and we're also building it obviously to be a lot more flexible than this thing we moved into over 80 years ago. So, which was an old tire plant before we had it. So, Oh, really? Yeah. My grandfather talked about um, his first job here was scraping rubber off of the uh, windows because it was so it was so nasty. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, uh, I I my first uh, introduction to White Castle Systems, which just reminded me, was many years ago on the 4th of July, uh, sitting in the parking lot watching the fireworks in downtown Columbus. Mm. Because it was a great view, vantage point at that point in time, and and it was early red, white, and boom thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I'm like, where are we going? And so, well, this is where White Castle. I said, oh, the 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 great little sliders. They go, yeah, this is where this is their headquarters. So it's here in Columbus. Uh, I and I was just so, I was like a wide eyed, bushy tailed kid uh, that I was on the, the in my mind the hallowed grounds of <laughs> of, of White Castle. But th- thinking about over the over these past 90 plus years going into a hundred and you're moving into a new building and being chief people officer, you don't have any gray hair. So, I mean, cause oh, I, do. <laughs> I, I can it imagine. It doesn't show up as much when I get it cut, but my sisters make reference to it quite frequently. So. <laughs> Family owned business. Not gonna let that go. But I, I imagine there's a number of challenges that, that you've got to deal with. Cause we were talking about this earlier, just even the way the new, Building's going to be designed versus the traditional way that you're currently in today. Right. You know, whether it's the new building where, you know, and because we're in an old building that is not flexible and there's, you know, somebody probably knows which are the load bearing walls and other things, but a lot of hallways and a lot of doors and a lot of offices. Obviously, that does not make for a lot of collaboration, a lot of project teamwork, which not only us, you know, we're we're trying to move more towards that as are a lot of uh, companies who are doing it very successfully. But you know, the the newer team members that we're hiring, the millennials have that's that's how they got through school. That's what the expectation was that I'm not going to be 
working on just this kind of thing. I'm going to be working, you know, cross-functionally with people from marketing and purchasing and coming up with new products and contributing in a, in a, in a, in a much bigger way than even I was when, when I, when I started. So yeah, it's trying to find that balance of, of what's, what's going to be comfortable, what's going to be, you know, but what's going to also be, be usable and, and, and foster that collaboration. We've recognized in, and I recognized years ago when I was trying to get people to sign up for some charity event um, in our old building, we have no one place where we can hang something where everybody will see it. There's You can walk in and out, and there's multiple ways in and out of the building and other things that it's just we can't communicate with everybody. I know that if I hang a sign here in the lobby, everybody's going to see it because we've got, we've got back doors. Same kind of thing with our, with our overall um, cultural shifts. Because we had gotten to the point where team members got very comfortable, and we always talked about we always talk about our family atmosphere. We always talk about what the mean the meaning of what a family. But the way we would call all of our team members our family. We want to be one big family and a family culture. In a family culture, everybody looks out for everybody else. And what does that mean? And there was a lot of that had been turned into a lot of um, there were some expectations that if I had something now, I would always have it into the future. And now as, as things change, one of our, one of our big ones, um, and I don't know uh, that we um, have recently been, been talking about is up until January 1st of 2017, we had a, an open unfrozen uh, pension plan. We just froze that pension plan. And so it's been, we've been talking about it for a couple of years and we had a pension plan and a profit sharing plan Last year we uh, opened up a 401k, but we we just are now getting a 401k because we've been trying to nurse this this pension and it's getting so incredibly difficult. That in and of itself is another huge cultural shift of you know company taking care of you to kind of some personal responsibility and the company will take will participate in that. But it was an exceptionally difficult decision to make for us. But they're just that's a it's an old plan and an old style. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's uh, one side of it kind of surprises me that you you guys just now are getting rid of the defined pension plan and moving to a contribution plan, the four hundred one k. But you're a family owned business. You've got team members. You've got a lot of people who you get very low turnover. So you've got a lot of people who are highly vested into this pension plan. And I, yeah, and that is a real cultural shift of the company taking care of you versus we're going to help contribute, but it's more, but you're more accountable for your managing your retirement. And I'll just say from the, a lot of people who are non CPAs, non accountants, numbers they're afraid of. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of times uh, it's a lack of, uh, there's fear, but it's also a lack of understanding, but it's also a lack of, I don't want to ask a question because I don't want to sound like I'm stupid, but really th the message is you you're not, you just need to ask more questions right? And, and have somebody there to say that this is how it works. And let me, let me teach this to you versus I can't believe you don't know this. What we've, what I've encountered, um, being the leader of, uh, of um, benefits, I love it when I go out because I've talked to many financial planners of our team members here locally who have gone out and and worked, and you know they say, so, oh, so you know, you know Vicky and Ben and benefits, and I say, oh yeah, she is 
awesome about answering all the questions. She's a very, she's a defined benefit expert like that. And it really is. We, we definitely, we desperately want everybody to, to understand it and try and do a lot of things that people do. But like a lot of things, you know, whether you're, it was interesting. There was an interesting piece to this and how many thank yous I got when we talked about opening up the 401k because some of the younger people hadn't looked at it. They really thought I'm missing out because everybody else in my circle of friends or family are saving for their retirement. And I don't have this thing that called a 401k. Um, but they didn't understand really what the pension was, which was companies are going to give you money when you retire. But it also is, it also falls into that. Well, my gosh, I'm 22. I got not retire until I'm in my sixties. I don't need to understand all those things. I got, you know, the, the more normal day to day stuff. So it is, uh, and add to that, that our two largest facilities where the biggest groups of people are is our home office with, with about 200 people and um, our, our largest food processing plant that makes our, our grocery store sliders. Our largest one of those has 200. Otherwise, they're dispersed in little castles with 20 to 40 people in them, depending on the, on the sales. So 10,000 people dispersed over 400 locations is, it, it adds a... a, a a, a, a level of communication challenges. How many states are you in? Uh, I think we're around 14. About 14. We got like one or two in Wisconsin, so we kind of count that, but <laughs> but right around that, 12 or so. And, and But you're more concentrated in, in the Great Lakes region? Uh, that, yes. Well, our largest single region is um, Chicago with 80. New York and New Jersey together have about 75, I think. And then we're in Michigan, Ohio, Kentucky, Indiana, Illinois, Missouri, Minnesota. So, because I, I always wanted you guys to put one in in Tennessee, Georgia, uh, northern part of Florida, central Florida, and in down, Fort, down Fort Myers, down seventy five. So when I used to drive to uh, visit my family in Fort Myers, I would have my stopping points because when I go to Lexington to visit friends, I always stop at the White Castle, especially coming back. That's uh, just north of Kings Island in Lebanon. Yeah, that's that's my stopping point to to to, to grab uh, about three jalapeno burgers and uh, get back on the road. Uh, Right. <laughs> we do have some in Tennessee. We've looked farther south. I think at some point you'll see um, something a little farther south, but we're probably going to skip a lot of that, some of those states. A lot of people ask us, actually, if um, people, there's rumors about a gentleman's agreement with Crystal, the company is very similar to us, copied us. Um, they started about 10 or 12 years after we did. There is no gentleman's agreement. We we actually those Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, and Lexington are the two places where we both have restaurants and and compete. And it's one of the fun things if you're if you're ever bored is to watch when a particular piece you know maybe goes viral on Twitter or Facebook or anything. The people if you started out with White Castle, you're generally a loyal White Castle. If you grew up in the South, you're going to def- try and defend your your crystals a little more, but we we love that our our uh, our cravers um, jump right on and and uh, and and love us as much as they do. Well, being a guy from the south who was introduced to Crystal, um, <laughs> I I was all all in Crystal, and then I met the Slider family, and uh, 
yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in the castle these days. I, I haven't had a crystal burger, and. and Thirty plus years, I think. So, oh wow! Something, something like that. That's <laughs> deserving of a grave cake, a coupon for a free grave cake. I'll get that to you next time. Uh, okay, that sounds like, that sounds great. <laughs> there goes my, there goes my New Year's resolution about that whole diet thing. Uh, but think, but think about this this culture and, and how you've grown and how you've maintained and the the challenges that you have. And you're opening this new office, and you were telling me that in this new office, it's going to be more of an open, collaborative type of office. Yes. Versus there's no collaboration per se or the ability to collaborate. Um, so that's going to bring its own challenges in itself. We're, we're still uh, actually in obviously the early design stages and trying to figure out, you know, um, how things are going to work in the, in the new building. But we've been talking to team members about, you know, what what are they used to working with? What do they like about their workspaces? What do they not like about their workspaces? And and then um, picked a select few. And I think we had 98% of our team members fill that survey out. So we got a lot of really rich data around that. And what pieces do they do they like about the, the office and what are their feelings about it and brand and all kinds of things. And then we had some interviews with them as well that um, where we were able to start. And, and I would say, because I sat in on about half of them and then one of my colleagues sat in on the, on the other half and we were – able to let them, it was more of a, the qualitative part of a, of a, of a research project and trying to figure out, you know, okay, so tell me, you know, why do you, you, you talked about really needing your doors and why, how, how do you use your office that you need your doors? Well, I need it to be closed because I need to do, you know, some heads down work and I can't be disturbed and I don't want people coming up and in this open environment. And most of them had never really seen anything like this because most of their career has been here. Right. They, they see, TV pictures of, you know, Facebook where there's three people at a table the size that I'm sitting at and everybody's like all crunched together. And so we started, we've been able to start talking about, okay, well, imagine your space might not be exactly where it is, but if there's this quiet section and part of our culture becomes when you see somebody in that room or in this area, they're there, it's, it's quiet. You're not supposed to have your conversations there. Don't go up and tap somebody on the shoulder because you know, within this, whether it's orange carpet or somehow divided, you're there. And then they start to say, oh, okay, now, you know, they, they're starting to, some of them are starting to come around. So, because knowing the current office, as you were describing it, and I'm trying to think, what's the one point in that office where you could collaborate amongst many outside of a meeting room or conference room is your cafeteria? Yes. And my might just just dawned on me. So as you move to a new building, from what I understand, the, the first floor will actually be a White Castle restaurant. Is that correct? First floor will be our cafeteria, and it will serve a lot more of our product. We serve a lot of our products now in our cafeteria, but you've seen our cafeteria is in the basement. There's no light. There's people don't like going down there. Right. And I I think one of our guiding principles, and I was this was confirmed for me on our on my recent trip. With technology, you know, as you know this, because you travel so much, you can get a lot of work done. You don't have to be in your your office. You have your office with you wherever it goes, with your phone and your laptop. What a lot of companies, and we're trying to do this too, a lot of people can do their work anywhere. They can work from home. They can work from other places. Create an environment where people want to come because there's cool amenities. I know I'm going to see my friends there. I know I'm going to have those spontaneous interactions. I know I'm going to have those 
you know, those times where I can, you know, and, 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 and have a cool place to work is even cooler than my dining room table or my office at home and, and things like that. So the first floor will be the cafeteria, but will it be open for retail customers or is this going to be for White Castle employees only? We are working through that. I would like to see it open for other retail customers as well um, and figure out how security that another another interesting thing because we saw two drastically different versions of security on this trip with these two atlanta based companies right now as you know when you come in to visit there's kind of a room that you're standing in and you can't get out of that room until somebody comes to get you in this new environment it's the you know we might have those little glass doors you know i do think of um like locally here when i visit people at cardinal health i mean there's a person sitting there at a desk but there's there's something that's not much higher than that desk that anybody <laughs> with any amount of strength could get over those things very easily and run. Um, so that's, there's another, there's cultural, there's these, these, these change management things at almost every level as people are start to realize that and say, well, you know, how am I going to be protected? You know, although there's not a lot to be protected from around here, there's a condos across the street, but, but, um, change management at, at every level, but I would like to see that, um, our cafeteria open to, to others as well. So as well, uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was make sure that because I love coming down to visit you guys and, and eating in the cafeteria. Yes, it's dark, but it still serves great product. <laughs> <laughs> uh, security. So I, I I don't know this when people when employees come to work at White Castle currently. Do you have to wear badges, my friend? Yes, we do. Okay, we have a badge that opens up the doors from okay. the outside. Um, I'm sitting right now in our training center, which is actually a detached building and it's got its own, it's got the badges as, as well. So we will still have some version of that because the badges also ideally at some point they're going to turn into, here's how I can buy a Coke out of the vending machine. Here's how I can pay for my charges at our mail room or in our cafeteria. Um, it's also how from a, from common printers, we, I can send something to a virtual printer. If I'm sitting here, there's a closer printer. Uh, if I do need to have something printed, which is the other talk about a cultural change for a 95 year old company to go. We're not trying to go completely paperless, but we're trying to move that digital way. And even my HR department's like, we got to have that paper. We got to have some of that paper. And I'm like, no, we don't have to have as much of it. Right. We don't, I don't think there's, I don't think there's such thing as a paperless office anymore, but I think it's, we've moved to offices that consume less paper. Yes. Actually, we did an early thing with um, CBRE and some people from, they were from all over. They were from offices. They have one office, which apparently, and I still can't figure out how to do it, you know, from IRS things and, and tax forms and stuff. They say they are 100% paperless. They have no printers in that building. What? That's Jetsony, man. That's- yes, it is Jetsony. <laughs> I, I don't know what they, everybody's faxes, there's, it's, there's lots of scanners. I'm not sure how they do it, but um, I'm, my personal struggle, or not struggle, but one of my personal things is I'm trying to figure out, is there a way, I still take paper-based notes and meetings and other things. I have tried to take them on my personal, you know, uh, laptops or other things. Even with Evernote and some of those things, when they get in there, it just never comes back out. And, you know, sometimes I miss things or something. So I went back to paper and I'm, I'm, Lisa, my cousin has done a very good job of, of, um, 
going a lot much more paperless. She does not take paper notes. She takes notes on a iPad or computer. I do both. I, I I have a moleskin that at times I'll sit and I'm, I'll take notes that way. Uh, right now I'm taking some notes just on a, on a piece of paper. But when you said Evernote, I do a lot of taking notes and, and, and remembering things and, and jotting things down, jotting ideas down in the Evernote. And you're right, sometimes I can't find what I know that I've written, that I've put in there, So which tells me I'm doing a bad job in tagging it. Uh, as a change manager, as 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 a culture change, I think one of the challenges that you have is when you go to a paperless environment. So you're in a meeting and you're taking notes on an iPad or a computer. There's something I think in, in the back of some people's minds going, "Are they playing solitaire? Yes. <laughs> are they they're the internet? They're are, not. They're, they're not. Are they, are they on Amazon right now? Dot com? Are they you know reading their email? Are they multitasking? And, and it's. I think early on when I in my speaking career when we were using more paperless stuff and people in the audience were using more tablets and on the phones and stuff. I thought that's in my head that they're multitasking that they're not anymore. It's such a a blend out there that some people will just take notes, but others are actually you can tell that they're taking notes. Uh, I'm assuming they're taking notes on on, on their iPad, their tablet, or, or or their computer because I don't know maybe they find it easier that way. So I think there's a blend out there that you know it, it's it's not wrong. It's just different. It's it, yes, and it, well I remember the, the the first time and I've been in meetings. I, I serve on a on a not for profit board where. Somebody wanted to say it was this juxtaposition of uh, so the board packet that would come to all of us, it would come to us electronically a little bit ahead of time. And then somebody was saying, well, should I print it out there? Because if I print it out at my place and bring you print it out, then we've got two printouts. And and so it was and then finally somebody said, well, we should, you know, why can't some of us I, I do mine electronically. So I'm sitting with an iPad that's open. Somebody said, well, exactly that. Are you reading your email? We should. I think everybody <laughs> should put all of their electronics away. <laughs> and so we had a, ironically, a 15-minute discussion and came to the conclusion that we have to trust that whether you're ta- whether you're checking on your email or not, you're at least absorbing. And the other cultural piece that I have learned from one of the uh, some some in this some of this research is my training department and is going to be working on something to say. On the other side of that, here's how to have an effective meeting. Because everybody's sitting there checking your email. Your meeting's not effective. Right. And was your meeting, and the classic, could your meeting have been one of those emails I was checking while you were sitting there talking? So make sure that you've got your meeting planning down. Make sure you've got your agendas. Make sure people know what to expect. Uh, to start and finish on time. All of those kind of general meeting rules. There's another another. Uh, um, friend of mine who talks about um, boring meetings suck. His name's John Petz. Oh yes, I know yeah, John. I you know yeah. him. Probably met him. He's yeah. local here as well. You know, has a has a has some good stuff around that and making sure that your meeting works. That way, I can trust that they're listening to me or they're listening to my colleagues, not emailing or Amazon or, or Amazon or, or something like that. I, I as it relates to meetings, I think that the, the meeting that I dislike the most. Is the conference call? Yes. I I just it's 
I, it's, it's, it's frustrating because, you know, without having an eye to eye contact and then people start talking over people and then people are quiet. You don't know if they're there. And John has joined the meeting. It, there's just so many dynamics that I, I was on a, a, a conference call with a client that was the conference call from hell because it went something like this. So does everybody have my email that I sent out with the latest update to the spreadsheet? What spreadsheet are we talking about? The spreadsheet that I sent out three days ago. What, what was the name of the spreadsheet? Well, I'm not sure that I have it. Uh, and then we start the meeting. Like, no, no, no. I got the wrong. I got the wrong document here. And we spent. They literally spent 20 minutes trying to figure out what documents they need to facilitate this meeting. And by that point, the meeting was really done because it was just mass confusion. People clearly, I, I know around here a lot and, uh, and other places, send the thing out. Uh, whatever we're going to talk about next Monday at our EC meeting, we don't have a hard and fast deadline that has to be out by Thursday. I honestly try because some of my colleagues get on me. So I will say this. Some of my colleagues seem to be able to get away with sending something out at 11 o'clock before our one o'clock Monday meeting on Monday, but you know, that's whatever. But, um, you know, people want to, they'll, they'll say they want to be prepared. I need to look at it. I want to look at the numbers in that spreadsheet. But then you can obviously tell in that exactly in that situation, somebody, some of us clearly haven't opened up that spreadsheet yet and looked at it. So that again, to me, that's all, that's all culture. Um, I guess I, I've read about different cultures. I've never actually seen one, but I've been at White Castle for 25 years. But you know that if if everybody's not prepared for the meeting, then if you're not prepared, you get up and leave, or you know the the senior most person in that meeting calls it and says, wait a minute, show up prepared. Part of our culture is we're going to have it sent out by Thursday for a Monday meeting. Make sure you've read it by Monday. Right. Make sure that you've read it by Monday. At least you may not be familiar with it, maybe the detail around it, but just be familiar with the document so we can have a conversation about it. Um, and I see a lot of that, you know, even when you're on a board and you've got a lot of different personalities around the table from a lot of different industries and stuff, and you're having a conversation, uh, has everybody read the documents? And some might say, well, this doesn't pertain to me and not read it. So they're not able to participate. Right. Uh, I do want to take a real quick sidestep here because you, you said you're on a board of a local not-for-profit. So let's give it a good help. Let's give it a good plug. What's the name of the, what's the name of the board, the group that you're with? Actually, I will say there, there's three. One is um, the, I'm, the, I'm stepping down as my tenure as board chair, but I'm still on the board of um, A Kid Again. That's the one. Which is an organization that does uh, – we do activities for children and their families with life-threatening illnesses. So any 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 kids get to come. We take thousands of kids to Kings Island. Big thing for that is um, we've got multiple adventures. We've got a chapter in Cincinnati and a chapter in Cleveland, chapter in, in Columbus. Not only so there's multiple activities throughout the year. So as kids are sick, they're going through the hospital, chemotherapy, whatever. They've got something to look forward to. And the other big, big piece that we've been, we we're 20 years old this uh, last year, is that the families and the siblings are involved. Because a lot of times kids um, with siblings and the, you know, somebody, somebody's just got cancer or leukemia or something. It's all about getting the kid to school or to the doctor or to the hospital and and the other siblings can bond around that. And it's, um, it's, it's, we've got some resources, so it, it really helps. So that's, um, that's ironically not the one that we had that conversation on, but we struggle with it sometimes, but, um, you know, all, all three are different. So another one I, I'm on is uh, Godman Guild, which 
uh, was an old settlement house. It's 117 years celebrating this year. It's over in the near north side over, um, it's moved around a little bit. And then um, Ohio Dominican, which is where actually we met when I, I'm on that uh, board of trustees now. That, that's right. Yeah. You, <laughs> you and Jamie, I, I've interviewed Jamie in a previous episode, but yes, John and Jamie were actual MBA students of mine. I don't want to know how many years ago. I think Jamie said it, and I still don't believe it's been over ten years, or button up on, or button up on ten years. Uh, but a, a kid again is, is is a great cause. Uh, and for is it a national uh, foundation group, or is it locally as a state? Um, our our home office is here. Um, largely, we're we're actually looking at expanding. We just went through some strategic planning. And um, are in the throes of implementing that, where we're we're um, establishing more of a national board and a local board because everything that was all run by Columbus, um, both chapter and advising the um, the Northern Ohio and the Southern Ohio chapters. But and we're actively um, looking and 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 restructuring to to help grow because our our vision on that one is every every child in America has a chance to be a kid again. So we know there's lots of sick kids out there that we can help. Now, think about Kid Again and what you do. Do you work closely with the Ronald McDonald House? We work closely with the. I think we do get some referrals there. Um, we are uh, wholly supported by by. Um, we get a couple grants every once in a while, but um, by private donations. So we we are not a United Way agency. We are we are um, we don't get government grants for anything because. You know, a lot of those rightfully so should be, you know, going to cure or find more um, treatments for leukemia and other kinds of cancers and 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 the challenges that our kids face. So we we work um, with some with uh, with some other agencies, mostly on referrals to make sure that our children that they may be serving, our families they may be serving, know that, that this exists because this is really all about fun. And our name came from interviewing our parents because. The other thing that's very difficult, and I our our leader is a guy named Jeffrey Dameron, and at every one of our story or every one of our meetings, we have a mission moment where he talks about one of our children and one of our families, and you know all more often than I would like to hear, and I just don't know how he deals with, you know, there was this kid named Gabriel, and Gabriel's no longer with us, and how many funerals that guy of you know with little teeny caskets that he goes to, uh, that's got to be tough. But um, was, ours is all about having fun, and and really, it, the, like I said, the name came from our parents because they said, you know, when I was at Kings Island, my kid wasn't the kid in the wheelchair; he was, you know, a kid again. So, what a great way to get a name! And, and I can't. Th- there's a special place uh, for people like the leader of of a kid again because there's a special place in heaven for somebody who can do that, be passionate about it, but also have to see that the other side of it. And I don't know. I don't know how. I know that I, I, my DNA is not made up. I, I don't think I could ever be that that strong to look at that many tiny little caskets uh, yep. out there. Um, so let's begin. We'll, we'll start wrapping this up because I don't want to take too much of, of your busy uh, time because it is Friday. And if we were in Hawaii, it's Aloha Friday. Uh, <laughs> I, what do I, we call it Buckeye Friday around here. Yeah. Uh, what is the one piece of advice as the chief people officer of White Castle Systems, that you would give my audience in dealing in any type of change management situation? Hmm, that's a good question. I would say 
from a change management standpoint, uh, basically do all you can to listen and give people the opportunity to share, you know, and make, and make sure you're listening, not coming in with your, with your solutions, which is one of my, it, it is something I, I have to personally work on because I, I come in with a, you know, a solution sometimes and think, well, I don't understand why you all don't see this is, this is perfect. Cause I even <laughs> did it in some of those one-on-one meetings. Imagine the space over here. You can do this. You can do that. But I, I would say really, really listening and, um, you know, to, to, to what they want. And I mean, the, the other, the other funny thing when I was talking with my cousin Lisa on the way home from this, from this trip, we're not going to make everybody happy. Right. Which is another piece of, uh, you know, I, 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 we desperately want people to like us, especially with us, with our, that piece of our culture, that's a family and we're all part of our extended family that, you know, that it's listening, starting early. Um, uh, too many people give this, uh, I would say, give this a short, you know, we can start dealing with that later once we get plans done. Start earlier than that. Yeah. I, as I'm hearing the word listen, I, is obviously I'm very sensitive to that word being one of the key pieces of improv. But the other piece that you say is we're not going to be able to please everybody. And and I think at the end of the day, as long as you are you go on this listening tour that you have and this fact-finding tour and you develop a strategy and a plan and a culture to move forward, knowing that we're not going to please everybody, but the one piece that we have to please is the mission, the vision, and the core competencies of the organization. And as long as we're doing that, it'll all work out. I think it's when we lose sight of that uh, and we're trying to please everybody, but we forget about our mission, vision, and core competencies, I think that's when a bigger issue occurs. Right, right. And that, that should be actually where I thought you, you might go to is um, the other piece that we've been concentrating on around here, um, and it ties right in with that is, is why. This is the reason why we're going to not have offices, and while I, a lot of people have asked for them, our our values are around you know accountability and collaboration, and you know that 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 why, um, and making sure that you hit those. That's that's, that's really good. Yeah, it's it's and I, there will be challenges in those early days with this different environment that you've that you're creating and, and that'll provide different there'll be some challenges that you guys haven't even scoped out yet and as as chief people when is the expected date of completion and move in um it's not we've got another uh year i think we've got two so depending given where we are that we're what we're trying to do here on our on our location and you know other stuff like that so we haven't even really settled that we're trying to um, build it here, but we're we haven't worked things out with the city yet. So, so you what you are way you are way ahead of the curve in this change management process, knowing that if it's if it's a completion in two years, you're taking this time to. So when when we get to that two year period, there's probably there will be some things you won't expect, but you may have already minimized them to just maybe just a few. Taking it sounds like almost a three year outlook. Uh, yeah, because we did we did start in the middle of last year, so yeah, it, it's been close to that, and that's um, we always talk about hope is not a strategy, and I that's the, that's the expectation. We we do know that there's going to be there's going to be some stuff that we missed, but hopefully through our partners that we choose, places that we've gone into to see, and, and others that that have shared with us their journey who have gone there before us, and again listening to them, my mind was changed by listening to two these two um, companies that we met with, because I, I was kind of thinking one direction. And now after listening to them, we're like, you know what, that's, we thought that too, but then this told us take the other option. And 
I'm thinking that might be the best one because it back to your last point it it serves the mission and the vision and the and the and the core values core values of the company and and I, I love the way the fact that you guys are collaborating with others who are in the industry and looking at best practices and, and learning from that in order to not go through what they've gone through and try to minimize that day one change impact uh, to create almost a seamless transition, even though you and I both know it's not going to be seamless, but it, it's it's to your point of take time, think it out, start early versus when you throw it in late and you're trying to shove something together, that's, yeah, that, that's just going to lead to a lot of, uh, of, of other problems that's going to take a lot longer to smooth out versus getting in front of it. Yeah, d- definitely. It's, and that's one of the things that I, as I said in my bio that, you know, starting out in education, which was a lot of sharing. I love the restaurant industry because, you know, you make, make, make friends and they, you move all over. But when you call up and say, Hey, can we come down? And, you know, I know it's not necessarily have anything to do with training or HR, but we want to tour your building. Can you hook us up with the right person? We all open up our doors to everybody else. And that's a, that's a fun part of the, I, I think it's a fun part of our industry. Yeah, that that is pretty cool. That that is uh, it's, a, it's basically a big family industry. Even though we are uh, helping out competition per se, but it's in a much collaborative way, and we all have our uh, we're all trying to compete for a, a lot of the same customers. And then again, uh, some of our customers are, are very different. So, John, thank you so very much for taking taking time out to have this conversation with me. I I I, I don't think. Let me rephrase that. I know that my audience will take some of these uh, nuggets of wisdom that you've left them and, and think about how they handle whatever change that they're going through, whether it's to build a new building, to create a new culture, to uh, a point maybe we're merging two companies together and all the change issues that are involved with that. So once again, thank you so very much for your time. I look forward to our next conversation uh, in the near future, my friend. So do I. I'd like to thank John again for taking time out of his schedule to give us his thoughts and experiences on dealing with change. In episode 42, I interview Rick Roberts, who's a provider of clean comedy, keynotes, and laughter. Rick has a very successful podcast titled School of Laughs, and after he interviewed me in episode 80, I began my quest to start my own podcast. He is a very funny guy with a lot of wonderful insight to becoming a better presenter. Now, remember, you can subscribe to my podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And if you'd like to purchase a personalized signed copy of my book, Improv is No Joke, use an improvisation to create positive results in leadership and life for $14.99 and the shipping is free. Please go to my website and you'll see the graphic on my homepage. Please allow up to 14 days for shipping. Thank you again for listening and remember to use all of the principles of improvisation in dealing with change. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.